Welcome to the Heart of Dating Podcast. Hey, it's Kate. I'm so glad you could join us this week as we try to untangle the ever so ambiguous world of dating as a Christian. Over here on Heart of Dating, we get real as we answer some tough questions and uncover transformative ways to approach Christian dating. Oh, and you better believe we have some laughs along the way, because last time I checked, the struggle is hashtag real. You know what I'm saying? Now, let's get to the heart of the matter. Hey, y'all, this is Kate here, and welcome to the Heart of Dating podcast. As always, I'm so glad you're here today. Whatever brought you on this episode, whether you're a longtime listener or whether someone shared it with you or you just stumbled upon it, thanks for being here. Also, I cannot wait, you guys, because today our episode is all about the Enneagram, which if you know anything about me, you know that I am obsessed with the Enneagram, so y'all are going to love this. Now, before we get into this awesome conversation, I just have a few announcements. First of all, I want to shout out one of our really incredible most recent reviews. This one is from Breezy Buckner, who said, I stumbled upon this podcast a while ago and absolutely love it. Not only does Kate talk deeply on the topic of Christian dating, but she even goes into past hurts and how to heal from those. She invites guests on her show to add some extra insight and encouragement. I have recently been struggling with past trauma and hearing that I am not alone has completely changed my world. Thank you, Kate. Oh my word. Thank you so, 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 so much for writing this incredibly beautiful review. My heart is so stunned, friend, and you are just, you need to know that you are not alone. I'm so glad you're here. Gosh, you guys are just really the best. You really are. So if you want to help to continue getting us to grow even more, and if you haven't rated us or written us a review yet, would you do that right now even? You can pause this episode and go to the bottom of the Heart of Dating iTunes page. You can hit the stars and rank us five stars, si vous plaît. And then you can hit the box that asks you to write a review. Just write something from the heart, either about this episode, a past episode, or why you love this podcast in general. Okay, now let's get into our episode today about the Enneagram. Oh my goodness. Now today I invited Peter and Elizabeth Bennett from the ever-growing Instagram account Enneagram.life. Peter is an Enneagram 1 and Elizabeth is an Enneagram 4. Together they live for Jesus in the beautiful Pacific Northwest and they have been together for five years, married for three, and have an almost one-year-old son. After learning about the Enneagram about two years ago, Elizabeth read basically everything she could get her hands on. Now Peter and Elizabeth have found the Enneagram to be such an amazing and useful tool in marriage and in work and in everyday life. Now the two of them head up the Instagram account, Enneagram.life, which has grown so much since it just started in the fall of 2018. Now friends, they are working on some fun projects in the future, so stay tuned and follow them for all the details. Today, we talk about all the different nine types in relationship. We talk about each type's tendencies as well as how we can best love each type. We even talk about ideal date ideas for each of the types. So trust me, it's a lot of fun. All right, get ready today for some Enneagram amazingness and also get ready to take the Enneagram test as soon as this episode is over if you haven't already. Elizabeth and Peter Bennett, I'm so excited to have you guys on the podcast today. Thanks for having us. 
I love it. And Elizabeth, your name is now Elizabeth Bennett. And we just were talking about that, but that's a pretty awesome thing. You're like straight out of Pride and Prejudice now. <laughs> oh yeah. I mean, I grew up watching all those movies. I am a huge Jane Austen fan. So it was definitely a huge plus to falling in love with Peter. <laughs> I love it. Now, okay, you guys, I'm super excited to dive into our episode today about all things Enneagram and Enneagram and relationships. Um, so about a year ago, we actually did an episode with Chris Hewitt, who's just phenomenal. And he kind of walked us through on a bunch of things with the Enneagram. And since then, I can't believe it's almost been a year, but I've been dying to do another episode on the Enneagram. And I recently discovered you guys on Instagram and I was like, oh my gosh, they are Christian. They love the Enneagram. They're just spreading so much in Enneagram wisdom. So I'm so excited to have y'all on today to talk about it. Cool. We're so excited to, this is our first podcast podcast interview. Yeah. So we are so excited about it. Oh, yay. Oh my gosh. Your first one. That's so fun. I love it. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. So tell us a little bit like first before we even get dive into it, but like, how did you guys get into the Enneagram? Yeah. So actually um, I have it all to thank my sister-in-law, Allison. Um, she read The Road Back to You by um, yes. Ian Morgan Cron and Suzanne Stubiel. Yeah. And um, she, uh, I ended up getting that book for my birthday. And I am really into personality things. I was always a huge Myers-Briggs fan. Yeah. And so um, I read it and I really, really liked it. Um, it really caught me off guard what my type was. I think it was mm-hmm. a little surprising to me and just just shown so much um, light on blind spots in my life. Mm. And so I immediately saw it as such a good tool for learning about yourself. And um, so I quickly devoured any information I could find about it. And it really um, transformed our marriage and the way that we communicate to each other about um, just kind of our inner world. (laughs) (laughs) That's amazing. And Peter, when did you find out about it? Did you find out about it through Elizabeth or did you? Yeah, just through Elizabeth. Yeah. (laughs) It's been kind of along for the ride. Yeah. You're like, and Elizabeth's like, okay, Peter, you have to take this because now I need to know everything about you. (laughs) (laughs) I'm pretty sure I read him the chapter of what I thought he was. Oh, you Um, did? Yeah. And he was like. She kind of discovered my number for me. Oh, that's kind of fun. Okay. So now here's the thing. If, can you, can we just like describe just for people who are like the Enneagram, what is that? A lot of people now know what it is, but there's still quite a few people who, when I say the Enneagram, they're like, what in the world is that weird name? And what is that? Um, Can you just tell us like what it is, I guess? Yeah, of course. Um, So the Enneagram is an ancient personality typing system that um, is a circle with nine points and each point is designated a number or type. um, And and each one of those numbers identifies a certain way of expressing personality. Mm. Um, It can feel so complicated when you first start to look into the Enneagram because there's so much like different wording and it can sound like a different language almost. And (laughs) the symbol is a little weird, like let's be honest. (laughs) Yeah, it does look a little Um, weird when you look at all the... the little symbol graph. I'm like, what is that? But no, it's totally normal, you guys. Totally normal. Yeah. And once you dive in and see how accurate it is, um, you'll wonder what you ever did without it. Yeah, mm-hmm, totally. So it's like, and there's nine different types on the Enneagram. Um, yeah. And okay, so super helpful. And what? why do you think it's like uh, a little bit more beneficial than things like Myers-Briggs or what makes it different? Because a lot of people are like, oh no, I just know Myers-Briggs, but I don't care about the Enneagram. And I'm like, no, you should care about the Enneagram. <laughs> <laughs> well, what we've always thought is uh, it's way easier to keep track of because Myers-Briggs has 16 types and mm-hmm. Enneagram only has nine. And so it's 
it's something it's a number that your brain can keep track of and remember <laughs> what all of them are where 16 with four different letters and like who knows what that means you can't remember <laughs> all of them but the enneagram you can keep track of yeah that's actually really smart i've never thought of that before okay that's mm-hmm. a really easy way to sell it to people hey 16 versus 9 almost half and also way less complicated cuz it's just one number <laughs> exactly <laughs> Okay. Now I geek out to this all the time, to be honest, you guys, as I'm sure you can already tell, but I've read a lot of books and listened to lots of things. And, um, you know, I have a few of my own favorite resources, but you guys mentioned, you mentioned one already, Elizabeth, but what are some of your favorite resources that you might recommend for people? Well, A, if they want to take the test, I guess, and then B, um, just other kinds of resources for them to look into to discover more. Yeah, of course. So um, obviously, we have to recommend The Road Back to You. I mean, that's how we discovered the Enneagram. And then um, the companion book to that just by Suzanne is um, The Path Between Us, which just does a deep dive into relationships. So if you guys are interested in that, that's a great one as well. As for um, taking the test, we do really recommend that you um, do research, that you read the book to really get a good grasp on all nine types. But if you do want to take a test, um, we really like the Your Enneagram Coach test. Um, You can find that online. She's also on Instagram and she probably has a link in her bio to the test. Yeah. Um, And then if you guys get done with this podcast and you really want to learn more without having to wait for a book to get to your doorstep, Mm -hmm. um, we recommend the EnneagramInstitute.com. They have a lot of great information a lot Mm. of they just have a rundown of how the system works and rundowns of each type and then also of course our instagram enneagram.life um and we have descriptions of all the types and wing types and almost anything that has to relate with the um enneagram we almost we have a series for it now so you can find lots of information on there yes it's so helpful i love y'all's instagram um i I always just like and it's funny because almost every day i feel like i'm sending a friend like oh here's information for you on your type and you know, like just things like that. But okay. So we've established some resources that there's nine types. Um, and I don't want to like go through in depth, all the different nine types, but maybe could you guys walk us through, you know, the kind of short term name for each type and, um, maybe instead of going through the nine types, maybe we could talk about like the typical tendencies of those types in relationships, because this is a dating podcast. (laughs) Oh yes. I love it. Okay. Um, so we'll start with number one, Okay, which is the perfectionist. Mm. Um, and so a one in a relationship is going to want to date the right way. However, Mm. that's defined by their cultural or moral upbringing. Um, They'll be really intense at first, but more relaxed. Their more relaxed side will come shine through as you get to know them more and they get into more fun atmospheres. Ooh, that's interesting. Okay. That makes sense with the perfectionist. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so um, number two is called the helper. Um, A two is going to want to know how to love you really well and will jump into the role of caring for you very quickly, Mm -hmm. which can be such a big breath of fresh air in what is more of a um, selfish society that we live in. Yeah. Um, But if you're in a relationship with a two, just make sure you don't take them for granted because they can start to feel unappreciated and bitter pretty quickly. Mm, That's so true. I often find that they're like, oh no, what can I do better? What can I do better? And, (laughs) but then they like end up feeling sometimes like unappreciated for all the stuff they're trying to do. And then that makes them really sad. At least what what I found. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. And then, so number three, the achiever, which is what you are, I understand. Yes. 
<laughs> tell me about me. No, just, yeah. oh my gosh. It's a three thing to say, honestly. Tell me about me. Oh, oh my goodness. Of wow. <laughs> Those threes really like to get stuff done. And yeah. a lot of times in relationships that translates into planning and goal setting. Mm-hmm. Um, so although this might take some types off guard at first, especially if like a three wants to define the relationship on the first date, <laughs> um, oh you'll always God. know where a three stands in their relationship. And that's gold. <laughs> yeah. I think the one, the hardest part, I'm just going to obviously have to interject because this is my type, but my biggest struggles usually are the planning elements. I'm like, you know, being a woman and sometimes like, oh, I I want the guy to be able to plan, but I don't, sometimes I don't even, or in the past, I'm like, don't even let him try. I'm like, oh, here, here's our full itinerary for this Saturday. And he's like, okay, wait, I wanted to actually try. (laughs) Can you let me? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh, no, that, that sounds like the achiever. <laughs> yeah. So balancing that in relationship is helpful for me. Anyway, please continue. <laughs> okay. So um, number four is the romantic. Mm. And fours usually have two um, two levels. There's quiet moody and almost hyper oversharing. Mm. Um, so they can be a lot to handle right off the bat. And believe me, I'm really aware of that because I'm a four. Oh, <laughs> um, gosh, okay. But if you can stick them out um, when they they do a lot of testing sometimes, sometimes they can do kind of a push-pull thing. But if you can stick in there and get past that initial phase, they become super loyal. Mm, that's awesome. Yeah. Okay. Um, so number fives are the observers. Mm. Um, fives are wonderfully deep conversationalists and have a huge wealth of knowledge behind their introverted exterior. Mm. However, they are highly practical and struggle to think romantically or to express their emotions. <laughs> um, so if you are in a relationship with a five or if you are a five, um, it's good to um, welcome um, tips on how to be romantic or sometimes to be, um, encouraged to be romantic. Sometimes they need that reminder. Mm, That's good. (laughs) And also just the understanding that a five will never get to the level of other numbers in Mm. how romantic they are or in expressing emotions in general. (laughs) Okay. Okay. Yeah. We get a lot of questions. People will um, DM us and be like, how can I make my five more, more emotional? And I'm like, well, you can't. (laughs) (laughs) But maybe like making them comfortable. I mean, like, cause over time I get trust. I don't know. I, cause I have some friends, like my close friends, I have a very close friend that's a five and yeah, over time I find that I can experience more emotion, but definitely not as much upfront. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Okay. So number six is the loyalist Mm. and a six is going to take a lot of time to review your character in a relationship setting. Um, (laughs) They're going to make sure what you say is also what you do before going all in. Um, But once they do, um, do trust you, they are the most loyal number on the Enneagram. Mm, That's fascinating. So sometimes it might take a little more time to like really get their green light approval for you. They're kind of Mm -hmm. skeptical until they really see your character play out. (laughs) Yeah, they definitely have a vetting process. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Worst case scenario sometimes as well, but okay. Yes. Mm -hmm. Um, So the seven is called the enthusiast. Yeah. And a seven is full of plans for adventure and fun. And this obviously carries over into their dating life. Mm -hmm. Um, So just don't mistake their fun demeanor for an empty head (laughs) because sevens are much deeper than they appear, especially because they, a lot of times how they talk is they like to lighten the mood. So people can often think that they aren't very deep, but they are very deep. Mm. Yeah, because they are in the head type too, right? The yeah. um, five, six, seven, I believe, are the head type. I always mm-hmm. forget that about sevens, but it's so true and really good to be reminded of that. Yeah, they do a lot of thinking. So <laughs> yeah. Um, 
So eights are the challengers. Um, eights have a confidence and um, intensity that few can match. They are very protective of the people they love. And if you win their affection, you might see a more vulnerable side, but that usually takes a bit of time. <laughs> yes, this is true. Mm-hmm. I have lots of eight <laughs> friends. Love them. Love them so much. Okay. <laughs> oh, yeah. We, we couldn't have the world without them. But. Yeah. They're like the shakers and the movers. They do so many awesome things. Yeah. Bold people. Okay. So one more, um, we have nines, which are the yeah. peacemakers mm-hmm. and nines have this unique ability to merge with the feelings of others. Um, this can make them very easy to date because they seem to care about everything you do. Um, <laughs> however, they do have their own thoughts and feelings and in a relationship, you'll need to give them space and a lot of options so that they feel respected, um, um, with how you're dealing in a relationship with them that they don't feel like a doormat. Mm, okay. That's interesting. Okay. This is really helpful. Okay, you guys. So now what I always get asked, and I'm sure you guys get asked this as well, but um, everyone's like, okay, what's the ideal pairing for my type, blah, blah, blah. And I always share with people like there aren't really specific ideal pairings. Would you guys agree with that or do you disagree? Do you think there are ideal pairings? (laughs) So, I mean, we don't really... um... Oh, jump on board with the whole compatibility thing yeah. with Enneagram. We just don't find it to be super helpful. We don't want you guys to um, miss out on potentially really good people because you heard one time that a seven shouldn't date a two. Right. Um, and so we, um, and obviously, um, if you don't want a person that is insensitive or all these other qualities, you're not going to end up with someone that's that way. Like your radar is already there and you need to trust your radar. Mm. Um, but with the Enneagram, a lot of people try to use it for compatibility, but yeah, we just don't see it as very helpful. And any healthy Enneagram number is going to make a wonderful partner. That's true. That's good. Now, okay. On the one caveat on that is I heard once, okay, that sometimes the number next to you is a, a good number. But I, again, we just said we don't really want to do that, but have you guys ever heard of that? Do you ever believe in that? Or are you still the yeah. same answer? <laughs> <laughs> so technically still the same answer, but um, yeah. well, I've heard of that before. And I believe a huge reason of that is because of wings. Yeah. Um, when you look at the Enneagram, whatever your number is, the two numbers on either side of your number can be your wings. Um, you technically have access to both wing numbers, but you'll have one dominant one. So like I'm a four wing five. Mm. And so um, my inner world, my motivations are all four, <laughs> but a lot of my behaviors are very five and oh. having, knowing about my wing helps to um, understand why I have those behaviors that don't necessarily line up with four. Um, but because we can have those wings, um, relating with the people that are your wing numbers, you're automatically going to have a leg up because you kind of understand them a little bit better, if that makes Mm, sense. Okay. Yeah, that's true. I think I can get that. So for me, it would be, I don't know, it'd be so interesting to date a four or a two. Okay. I guess. All right. I haven't ever dated a two or a four. I'm just thinking out loud over here, but um, (laughs) no, it's fascinating to see. So also Peter, I don't think I asked, but I know um, what, what I know Elizabeth's a nine. I'm, or she's a four and I'm a three. And what type are you? Uh, So I'm a one and that's the perfectionist. Um, So I see the world in a very logical and rule oriented way. And uh, my type is something you enjoy is called the inner critic, which is mm. basically a voice in my head that's keeping me on track and can be very mean when I make mistakes. 
Mm, oh my gosh. It's funny because I feel like sometimes, um, at least, I don't know, lots of types can be confused, but sometimes the three and the one sometimes can get confused. Is that right? Just because of that um, perfectionism kind of element or the striving Definitely. element. Yeah. And the main difference between the two is their motivations. Mm-hmm. Uh, so ones have um, more responsible and integrous motivations yeah. where uh, they um, want to do the right thing and that's what always what they're going to do. And so mm-hmm. the perfectionist kind of comes out of that and uh, always doing the thing the right way. Yeah. And then threes have more of an image conscious uh, yeah, way. perfectionism. Yeah. yeah. So they're, <laughs> I do know this. Okay. <laughs> so they can appear the same um, when their perfectionism comes together, but uh, their motivations behind it are pretty different. Right. Like my motivation for doing things perfect would be more so because I want people to perceive me in a certain way versus doing it exactly the right way. And in fact, threes typically sometimes take some short- shortcuts even to get there as long as nobody else sees them. <laughs> <laughs> as long as the outcome looks pretty. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Okay. So one thing that I, as I was preparing for this, I was like, this would be cool to talk about, but how do you feel like in, especially in relationships, because with the Enneagram, it's such a great way to figure out just how to best love other people. Um, what I always, even with new friendships, I, I always love asking people if they do know their type, even in friendship, but also definitely in relationship, but it can, it could really help you to figure out how to like how that person really receives love best. So can we maybe walk through a little bit about like how each type really, um, receives love the best, I guess? Yeah, of course. Um, so twos are going to be the one that, um, any sort of love, they Mm. love it. Um, like I just wrote something that said that, um, twos want all five love languages every second, every minute, all the time. (laughs) Um, so you can't really go wrong with twos. Um, they just really like to be, have their love be reciprocated, but Mm. for all the other types, um, it's not quite as straightforward. Um, like ones, they feel really loved when you acknowledge the work they do and how they do things the right way. And by, and they feel really loved when you respect their rules. Mm. So their love is a little bit more respect oriented. Mm. Um, for threes, um, threes feel really loved when you acknowledge their productivity and you give them lots of praise. <laughs> <laughs> lots of affirmation. I don't yeah. think I've ever met a three who doesn't like words of affirmation. <laughs> oh, of course. My mom is a type three and even to this day is super motivated by gold star stickers. <laughs> Yes. Yes. Hand me a trophy. I'm all in. Okay. I'm just like, okay, I'm laughing at myself, but okay. Yes, that's great with a type three. What about four? Um, So fours feel really loved when people appreciate their depth and Mm. point out their potentials. Ooh, that's good. And kind of acknowledging areas that they're special. So maybe Um, like asking them further about like even like how they see things, would that be a way? Yeah. I feel like, um, I always feel really loved and listened to when people are like, wow, it sounds like you've thought a lot about this. Like, tell me more. Yeah. Um, That's good. Yeah. So, um, fives feel really loved when you give them space Mm. and you appreciate what they bring to the world. Mm. Um, they don't like it when you try to change them or you push them out of what they are more comfortable in. A lot of times you have you can like, you can encourage, um, but they don't like to be pushed. So just, um, just appreciating them for how they, how they are mm. and, um, the knowledge they bring to the world makes them feel really loved. Mm. So just um, five, you're extremely smart and intelligent. Oh my goodness. I'm so impressed. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
so sixes feel really loved when you don't discount their anxieties and fears. Um, mm. A lot of other types kind of try to brush off the anxieties and fears because sometimes they're kind of crazy. Um, mm. But by really um, just being there with them in their fears and um, saying like, wow, I'm sorry, you're experiencing this fear. Let me hug you. Come here. Um, and yeah. by remaining someone who's worthy of their loyalty. Um, mm. Like don't take that lightly when they are loyal to you. So maybe not like trying to fix all the issues with the six or the anxiety with it, just like yeah. allowing them to have a moment with that and not discounting, right? Yeah. I think most worst case scenario thinkers a lot of times aren't bringing you a worst case scenario for you to for you to fix it. They just like it to be acknowledged and um, sometimes they're more like verbal processors like that. Mm. Um Interesting. Okay. So sevens feel loved when you appreciate their outgoing and adventurous, adventure loving personality and when you have fun with them. Mm. So it's like always about the fun next event kind of thing. Yeah. And so, um, yeah, they feel really loved when you, um, when you go along with what they want to plan next and when you really appreciate that about them instead of saying like, why do you always have to do something? Or why does it always have to be this adventure and that? Like, why can't you just stay home for a month? Probably because they would die. Um, <laughs> that would be their worst nightmare. They're like, no, yes. no I have to get out of here. I'm suffocating. Seven like that. Oh my gosh. Yes. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So eights um, feel loved again, kind of like the one um, by respecting them, um, mm. by and you can respect them by being really straightforward with them and by giving them space when they ask for it. Mm. So trust what they say when they say it, and mean what you say when you say it to them. Like, don't brush over things. Don't talk emotionally. Just be straightforward. They really appreciate mm, that. That's good. Yeah. yeah. I, I can test to that. I have some best <laughs> friends that are eight. So it's so true. It's like, okay, I just have to be no fluff. Just be straightforward right now. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, and so nines feel really loved when you remember the little things that they like mm-hmm. and when you make them feel valued. Um, so like I was saying, my sister-in-law is a nine and um, obviously like she mentions things that she likes here and there, but sometimes it's hard for her to actually remember what she likes in the moment um, when she's merging with everyone else's likes and when her likes might create conflict. So just by, um, like remembering that she likes a certain kind of chocolate or things like that. Mm. And just like, um, giving her gifts of those things, just make her real feel really valued and seen. Mm, that's good. Okay. So that's so helpful. Oh my gosh. I feel like I've learned some things even just from that, just <laughs> to like bring to the table it, either in relationship or friendship. Friends, I want to take a quick pause in today's episode to tell you about something I am so excited about. I just want to say that I know the struggle is real with dating in our current culture. It can be murking and confusing and sometimes just so frustrating. Do you ever feel like you have no idea what you're doing or that you keep trying and failing or that you just don't know how to handle hard situations or conversations with people? Or maybe you just feel stuck in a dating wasteland with no good potentials. I get it and I have felt a ton of those exact same things. Now, a huge issue when it comes to dating is that we don't have a ton of great resources out there for guidance. The Bible doesn't talk about dating because it didn't exist at the time. And now today, about 50% of the church in the U.S. is single, and even that number is growing. So the problem is that we need resources. 
I get it. I get all your frustrating feelings. So I have made it a goal of mine to research and talk to pastors and watch videos and read as many books as I can just so that I can be equipped to do this podcast as well as go into my own dating life with the best and sharpest possible tools. And I have exciting news today. I have compiled all of my favorite dating resources and created a free resource guide for you so you don't have to scour for all the best things to read or watch anymore. It is called The 7 Resources to Change the Dating Game. I truly believe that this guide will help you navigate this journey with clarity and intention. It is going to help you to sharpen the tools in your toolbox and get out there and date amazingly. You can grab this free resource by visiting heartofdating.com forward slash seven resources. That is heartofdating.com forward slash seven resources. I am so excited for you guys to get your hands on this incredible free resource. Okay, so I love this tool. I love the Enneagram just because especially in dating, I'm always encouraging people like we we should desire self-awareness. It's really helpful, but we should also just desire to sharpen tools in our toolbox, whether um, they're currently single or whether they're dating and trying to grow better in their relationship. And I really believe the Enneagram is such an amazing tool, especially for self-awareness and in encouraging compassion towards other people and understanding why other people are the way they are. So maybe I would love for you guys to just share a little bit about how understanding the Enneagram has kind of impacted your personal relationship and marriage um, and, and what that's looked like for you guys. Yeah. So, I mean, we love the Enneagram as a tool in relationships and marriage. I tell people all the time that it probably really changed the trajectory of our marriage. Mm, um, so awesome. when we first got married, um, we read the For Men and Women Only books. Mm. And those were really eye-opening, learning about how we were different as just male and female. Um, yeah. But then when a couple of years later, we started learning about the Enneagram, it almost felt like we were going to level 2.0 of understanding each other. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> and that's why we just love that you're talking about this in the context yeah. of dating because we can't imagine how much conflict we might have avoided if we had understood each other like this sooner. <laughs> yes. You're like, okay, I'm not going to battle that because I understand where this is coming from now versus when you don't, you're like, oh my goodness, this is just driving me crazy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so knowing about the Enneagram has helped me so much with Peter being a one to not assume that he thinks like I do. I think mm. we all just naturally feel like everyone else has the same motivations that we do and thinks like we do. And mm. not until it's pointed out, do we realize that we are just so different. Mm. Um, and it's also helped me to just not take his frustrations personally. Um, mm. That like he gets frustrated when things aren't right with the world. And obviously nothing is ever going to be all right with the world. Mm. And so sometimes it's more frustrating than others, but to realize that like, I didn't do anything like this is just the way that he is. And this is how he experiences life um, has really helped me to be calmer and not take him personally, I guess. <laughs> mm, that's good. That totally makes sense because um, you're able to like kind of see, well, oh, so in that, okay. When you do experience conflict, like how do you guys now try to, how do you experience that? Or what is like that your mind process, especially understanding each other's types, just curious. Yeah. So um, now when we experience conflict, a lot of times we can go back to the Enneagram to like kind of see where the disconnect is. Yeah. And a lot of times knowing where our disconnect is um, 
puts out a conflict before it even arises. Um, but when it does, um, it really helps us to both be like, okay, you're motivated by being good. I'm motivated by being unique. Like what is, um, what is the disconnect here? Um, am I, cause I am a more image conscious type mm. and he's more of a, um, integrity, moral conscious type. Right. And so if I want something to look good because I'm in an image conscious, a lot of times that will rub him the wrong way. Or if I'm taking shortcuts to make things look better. Um, but if we can get down to that and I'm being like, oh, okay, I'm just being prideful here and I'm being image conscious and I'm trying to be special and all these things, I can really go to him and be like, okay, um, I just realized what this conflict's about. I just realized why I'm having such strong feelings and like I can repent and apologize um, for my part in that. Mm, that's good. I love that. Peter, how has it helped you, I guess, with Elizabeth as a four? Uh, so um, the Enneagram has really given me a lot of insight into our motivations. Mm. Uh, Elizabeth is more motivated by wanting to, as she said, to be special and unique. And yeah. so that really affects how she views other people's accomplishments. Mm. If they are similar, um, then she's not as unique. And so I've been able to kind of foresee some of those things happen mm-hmm. <laughs> and understanding how those are um, most likely going to upset her. So either steering her away from thinking about those things or mm. um, acknowledging them and helping her through them. Mm. Um, That's and good. Then also just understanding that as a four, she uh, is really loved by deep conversation mm. and uh, entering into that and, and then also pointing out where she's talented. Oh, that's good. Yeah, I definitely can see that, especially with the deep conversation. Oh my goodness. Um, I've had lots of amazing deep conversations with fours. Um, Okay. So I love that. And how has it helped you guys even just in the lens of like having compassion, like with not even just in your relationship, but with other types, with other people um, in your life and, and, and all of that, like how has it helped you guys with compassion? And then I have another point to say, I guess, about that too, but I'll ask that first. Yeah. Okay. So, um, it's been so helpful. I think, especially for me having compassion for others. I mean, Peter Mm -hmm. just pointed out that like a lot of times I have a hard time if I feel like someone's stealing my special, which sounds so horrible to say out loud, but it's something (laughs) that goes on inside me. Yeah. Um, So, um, I think that every type has at least one other type that they just really don't understand. Mm -hmm. Um, and when you encounter that type in your family, in your workplace or friendships, um, and just kind of view how they operate, it can be really frustrating um, to see them and not understand like why they do what they do. So when you're introduced to the Enneagram and read about all the different types, which you should do, don't just read about your type. Don't just take a test and read about your own type. (laughs) Uh, I agree with that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You can begin to see um, like you can see those people that cause you frustrations in such a different way and see Mm. why they do what they do. You can see um, what happened in their life that could have made them react the way that they do. Mm. And then you could start to have empathy for them. Mm. And in most cases, if someone is really driving you mad, they're probably just a really unhealthy version of their number, Mm. which is so helpful for me to think about um, because through Christ, they can become healthy again. And that isn't just the way that they are. So I can pray for them and have hope for them. And I can tolerate them so much more knowing that um, they can grow and that this isn't just how they are. And also just knowing, you know, what's behind that. 
Yeah. I love that you say that too, because what's interesting is like, I think that a lot of people when they read the types or, or their, whatever their type is, they're like, oh, wow, this can be a little shocking at first. Right. Um, but then what I always try to also encourage people is like, well, there's like the varying levels of it as well. Like there's the unhealthy mm-hmm. versions of the three, which when I was much younger, I was a very, very unhealthy version of a three. And then you know, now in more recent years, one of my biggest things was like, I would never want to put any of my failures on display ever in my life or share about any brokenness or anything, because that would ruin the way people saw me in my mind. And through working through healing and God's healing and God redeeming my story and kind of building up love in my, in a healthy way for myself, I have now been able to take that and say, you know what, I can share some of my brokenness and I'm not going to worry as much or focus as much like what people think about me from those specific things. Right. Um, and so now I've not, I'm not like a perfectly healthy three. I would never say that really. I'm always in process, but it's helped me to like become what I was in previous years, which is much unhealthier version of a three really motivated by a lot of kind of like unhealthier things and external validation and now taking it to say, okay, how do I balance needing validation, um, needing some validation from people, affirmation, but really also getting that from God too. And how do I really go into like getting what I'm missing from people, really getting that from the Lord first and foremost. Mm. Um, And I think that's the cool part about the Enneagram. Like it's more of like a spiritually used tool, which I don't think people really know about, right? No, it's, um, it's such a, great tool for transformation Mm -hmm. in our relationship with Christ. I think um, a lot of times Christians have a hard time rectifying the Enneagram and being a Christian, Mm -hmm. but um, even the way that we word it in our bio on Enneagram life is that we view the Enneagram as a tool. Um, It's just a tool that you can use and it exposes a lot of your blind spots um, that can um, lead to your repenting of sin that you may not even have been aware of. Mm -hmm. Um, And also with just celebrating how God made you. God gave you certain talents and gifts and um, a way of seeing the world that is unique and special to you. And that's how he made you. And he made you to enjoy that and to share that with the world. Yeah. It's so cool. About, I love that part when I explain the Enneagram to people. I'm like, it's because like God created us all uniquely. And then because of things that happened to us in childhood, we kind of get away from some of our true identity and we like live more in like our false self. And um, over time that becomes our reality. But God, you know, the Enneagram is a way of tool to get back to who God really created us and our unique purpose in each of our types kind of. Yeah. Um which I think is so beautiful and why I think it's going to be so powerful, especially in relationships um, and in intimacy and in and, and dating and in marriage. Um, okay, you guys, this has been so fun. So I want another question, just like that's a fun question to ask, I guess, is what in your minds in terms of dating would be like the dream kind of ideal date for each different type on the Enneagram? <laughs> <laughs> I know these were so fun to like, yeah, I know. I was like, I need to know this also because I'm a three and I'm like, oh, well, if I date any of these types, now I know exactly what to do, which is typical me. Okay. <laughs> yeah, which I just wanted to start off with. Obviously, these are a little stereotypy, yeah. even though they're fun. And so if um, I say your number and it's not at all what you would want as a date, like don't freak out. Don't think you've mistyped. If yeah. your motivations are still that type's motivations, that's what you are. So yeah. don't freak out. 
Mm-hmm. Um, I love it. Yes. <laughs> um, so for ones, the best date for a one would be something that lets them open up and have fun. You'll see so many more of their best qualities this way, and you'll probably be really surprised how fun they can be. Mm. Um, I can attest to this. Um, not necessarily <laughs> like our first date, but <laughs> when I fell in love with Peter, it was at a dance party. And oh. to be honest, I used to think he was so boring. <laughs> and, um, Peter, did you hear that? I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he, he's heard it many, many times. Um, but seeing him at this dance party and like open up and he plugged in his iPod and it was just like, it was just like, oh my gosh, who is this? And he's so fun. And anyways, ones can get like that. So if you organize something or do something that kind of lets them, let them be a little fun, um, that can be really mm, helpful. That's good. Yeah. Um, so for twos, um, their ideal day is like, do not let them do any of the planning or cooking because mm. they're automatically going to step into that role. <laughs> they're going to want to take care of you. Um, but they do that so often, like just tell them that you're going to, you're going to surprise them and take them somewhere nice. Really That's treat good. them. Yeah. That's the to like really make them shine and don't um, let them like contribute they're like oh but I can pick up this thing or I could do this you're like no no don't no. don't even let them drive pick them up <laughs> yes that's good I love that <laughs> um, so for threes uh, the best date for a three is a private date like think um cook a dinner at home and mm. watch a movie mm. um this is really an atmosphere that they won't be as tempted to perform mm, um good. so out in public, you're not around a lot of other people, you don't have to dress up. Um, just really get them one on one and just facilitate that deep conversation. Mm, I love that. Yes. Okay. <laughs> Anybody um, listening who's taking me on a date? I'm just kidding. <laughs> okay. <laughs> no. Like this is this is the podcast you should listen to first. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so for fours, um, give them a cup of something hot and just let mm. them open up. Um, Mm -hmm. they'll likely overthink everything they said afterwards. So giving them a follow-up reassuring text really, really helps. Um, that's good. But yeah, don't, don't take them to a movie or something that they don't get to actually talk one-on-one. Um, like that's not as helpful for them. Just, um, just kind of let them open up and just facilitate that conversation. Yeah. And ask, and ask good questions. Don't just ask them where they work. Um, ask them about, ask them about their childhood pets. That's always a good one. <laughs> Ooh, that's interesting. Yes, I love that. Okay. And allowing them to talk is really important, right? Just like giving them that space. Yeah. Yeah. Because a lot of times, um, I mean, they can be the more quiet moody. So if they're in that space, just start asking questions. And I mean, mm. everyone likes to talk about themselves. So Yeah. <laughs> um, so for five, the best dates for uh, five are doing something while talking. So like think um, bowling or mm. like playing a game. Um, this way there aren't as many awkward silences and not just one person is rambling. Um, when you do something together, it prompts so much more natural conversation because you can kind of talk about what you're doing along with just having conversation. Ooh, that's a good idea. Um, so for sixes, um, whatever you plan, just don't surprise them. (laughs) Um, they'll likely want to research where you're going. They'll want to have a contingency plan just in case you're a creep. So just be really honest and open and just give them the entire itinerary or just let them plan it themselves. It just makes them a lot more comfortable. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. Oh my gosh. Okay. That's good. (laughs) Um, 
So a seven wants to plan a date that's as packed with fun as it can, as much fun as <laughs> all they can the have. fun. Yes, just yeah, do all fun the fun. Fun place, fun thing to do, all of it. Um, <laughs> so let them take over the planning, and you'll um, and if you give them your preferences, like tell them if you have allergies, if you're definitely afraid of heights, tell them a couple things. Um, but this sort of planning is their gift, so mm-hmm. just prepare to have fun. <laughs> <laughs> that's so awesome. I have been on dates with people who are seven who are sevens in the past and they just like plan the most fun, unique dates. I'm like, wow, I would have never thought of this ever. And this is so fun. It's a blast. It it really is a gifting. I mean, like I'm about to go out to coffee with a friend and I'm like, okay, I know like two coffee places. Like, I guess this is what we're doing. I just will not take our conversation to a different atmosphere. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. So, um, eights make a lot of decisions and are natural leaders in their own environment. Mm. So, um, This might make you think that they should take charge of the planning in a date, but often eights will have a lot more respect for you if um, you know your mind and you assert your opinions. So Mm. even if they have an idea for a date or anything like that, um, just, I mean, if you don't like it, let them know. Um, (laughs) Or if you have a really good idea too, let them know. Like it's really, um, even though they're really strong leaders, it really, in relationships, it really is equal opportunity. So just um, make sure they know exactly what Mm. you're thinking. That's and good. Don't be afraid to to make the plans yourself. That's good. Building that respect, and they're like, "Oh, now I respect you." Okay, you stood up to me, or yeah. you said something else. That's great. They're like, "Perfect." All right, now I like you. <laughs> exactly, and they um they might seem like they um pushovers are a little easier for them, but they really don't respect them. So you don't want to mm. become one of them. Yeah. Okay, that makes sense. Um, so a nine will be happy to go wherever you want to, <laughs> but it will feel much more caring for them if you take um, take them into consideration when you plan their date. So like, mm. did they mention that they had any allergies? Do they love history or art? Like, um, take mm. those things into consideration and really put those things into your date to like really just say like, hey, I know that you're really happy with whatever I want to do, but I want to make you happy. So this is important to me. Mm, so what what can I do to that you like? Mm, I love that. Yeah. Um, and not just like, no, you pick. No, you pick. Like that that could go on forever. So just yes, take the people the pleasing. Yes. <laughs> some nines that have some tendency with people pleasing. I know this, but like obviously, um, we all do in some ways, or a lot of us do in some ways. But um, yeah. So it's like, no, actually I want to serve you. How can like I want to serve you with what you like best? Let me do that. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Oh my gosh, this is so awesome, you guys. I love it. I feel excited just to like plan some even friend dates, if not like actual dates with people. Um, Okay, so this has been so helpful. And, you know, I wrap up every conversation basically with the same question for every guest. Um, And you guys are both welcome to share or share just one piece of advice. But um, it's always the last question is what is your final nugget of dating advice today for the Heart of Dating listeners? Okay, so our dating tip might not really sound like a dating tip at all. But, <laughs> okay. um, we've seen it work over and over, um, and it's actually how we met. So I'm just going to throw it out there. Okay. Um, and it's serving at your local church. Oh, um, okay, cool. When you serve your church body and cultivate that community, a lot of doors can open up romantically. Mm. Um, and as I said, that's how how we met, was both um, kind of having our head down and serving our church and pouring all that in, and we just we ended up kind of bumping into each other. Um, so mm-hmm. plus um, when you are serving um, and sanctifying in that um, and you're growing as you're serving and you put on a, I'm here to help shirt mm-hmm. um, and show up, it really makes you a more servant-like 
like partner in the long run. So mm. you really can't go wrong with just um, pouring out your life serving. So awesome. I love that too, because it already shows like, that's one of my top qualities that I look for is someone who is more selfless or serving. And so by by you serving, you're not only meeting people through that, but then you're also showing that that's important to you. And that's a quality you should look for or that you should embody, but also that you should look for as well. So that's awesome. You guys, I love that. Oh man. Well, you guys are so wonderful. Um, if the, if people want to connect with you and just find out if your upcoming projects is the best way, I know you said earlier Instagram, but maybe share that again and tell everyone how they can connect with you and keep up with what you're doing. Yeah. So you can look us up on Instagram. It's Enneagram.life. So E-N-N-E-A-G-R-A-M dot L-I-F-E. Um, you'll see our page. Um, it's going to be our like name on the page is nine types of us. If, oh, um, that's so what you're looking for. You also can reach out to us and email. Our email is enneagram.life1 at gmail.com. Um, and so, but on our um, Instagram page is really where we're, we update our stories a lot. So you can go look on there to see um, what we're up to. So cool, you guys. Well, I just appreciate both of y'all so much. I love that you just have this passion to serve people and to serve Christians too in this space. It's such a helpful tool. So I just want to thank you guys for what you're doing and for spreading so much awesome Enneagram encouragement and wisdom. Oh, thank you for what you do too. All right, y'all. Well, we'll talk to you soon. Thank you so much. Okay, y'all. Do you feel enlightened? I feel so enlightened. I love learning more and geeking out to the Enneagram. I really do. And I'm so grateful today for Elizabeth and Peter and their willingness to share their wisdom and insight with us today. So right now, if you haven't taken the Enneagram test, y'all go and do it. You can do it for free at yourenneagramcoach.com. It's an easy, easy test. Or if you want one that's even more in-depth, go take the Enneagram Institute test. You can take the READY test. It's R-H-E-T-I. I really, really, really love this tool as a way to transform how we see and understand and have compassion for others. It's helped me personally in understanding myself, also in understanding my family and friends, and especially in relationships, okay? Now, last but not least, go and follow Elizabeth and Peter at at Enneagram.life on Instagram and go show them some love. They are just incredible. I cannot be more thankful for your support of the Heart of Dating podcast. I am blown away by your rankings, reviews, messages, all of it. If you want to be a part of our inner circle and support what we are doing, we encourage you to pledge any dollar amount that you want on our Patreon page at patreon.com slash heart of dating. Also, if you like this podcast, would you please consider giving us a review? It helps us immensely and we cannot thank you more. Until next time, friends.